Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. Uh, here we are. You know, it's a great thing, Kevin, when we get to go on and we get to be with these guys and go through God's Word and look at how God's Word changes us. And, and, and man, what a difference he makes uh, in my life being able to do this study. And I'm thankful to have Kevin with us today. So, Kevin, you're down there in Texas. And, I mean, is everything bigger in Texas? What's going on down there? <laughs> it is bigger. I'm I'm looking out of the window right now, and it is wide open spaces. And uh, there's a saying: things are better out here. So it is bigger. It is better. Um, when I when I set up my display, I have a uh, a 90 millimeter round, you know, artillery round. Yeah. Uh, the shell, the case, the shell casing. Yeah, I used and to have one. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People say, "What's that from?" I say, "That's a Texas squirrel round." <laughs> and, <laughs> the, things are big down here, you know, yeah. big squirrels. But yeah, yeah. I was stationed. Place. I was stationed uh, in Texas. Now, you know, everybody says you know, like one fifth of the United States Army is stationed at Fort Hood, Texas. But I was stationed at Fort Bliss, Texas, which is a small base. It's an air defense artillery base, but it also contains the NCO leadership classes, like the first sergeant's course and the sergeant major's academy. The E eight and E nine classes that you get in the United States Army is, is housed right there, Biggs Army Airfield, which is part of Fort Bliss, Texas, and. Uh, I'll tell you, man, I love my time in Texas. The food was good. I ate so much Mexican food, but there was a steakhouse. Boy, I got to ask Debbie what it is, but man, it was the best steak. And uh, it was right there off of Alabama. And let me tell you what, we used to go down there and have fried green chili peppers and steak. And my little son was three years old at the time. He'd always have a kid steak with fried green chilies and, and a baked potato. And man, boy, here we are off again, you know, running down a rabbit trail. But I got a word for today. And uh, but everything is big in Texas and everything's big in South Carolina, too. So y'all come see us sometime. But anyway. Kevin, this word discernment, we keep on stumbling across, you know, these places where God tells us to have wisdom, to have discernment. I mean, you can't go through the book of Proverbs without being wise or a fool somewhere along the way. And I've been both. You can't go through the book of Proverbs without God saying, hey, think about these things. You know, this is you either, you know, you can be poor, but you can still have integrity or you can be rich and be perverse you know, and, and, and it's all about our relationships. So this word, uh, comes to me and, and it's discernment right now. And, and a verse comes to me. Oh yeah. As soon as I click on something on my computer, it just totally takes me to a. Don't you love that when it takes you to a different place and, uh, makes you think, Hey man, I'm all messed up. But first John four, one beloved, believe not every spirit. And I'm going to tell you a story and why I'm using this here in a second and get Kevin's feedback. But try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. And, and folks, I say this to you, and, and have discernment, and be that person that you believe not every spirit, 
be the person that, you know, studies your Bible, looks and sees what's going on. Be the person. It's okay to send me a message at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com and say, Doug, we're, we're moving here. Can you help us find a church? And we'll do that. It's okay to have discernment to stop and say, hey, do we got this right? I, I can remember as a young soldier, there were people who would tell me things. I remember one day I was uh, uh, walking through, I, we were, had this big setup. It was a God bless America type of event. And Byron Fox was running it back then. I think it was the very first one. It was in Newport News, Virginia. And this guy started quoting scripture to it, kind of screaming it in my face, stole the Bible off my table, which I was cool with. Stole to, you know, you're not stealing. They're there for a reason. But he looked at me and he started talking about there's, uh, you know, there's aliens in the Bible and Isaiah and there's this and there's that. But he said everything right up to that point a bunch of things. And if I had not been discerning, if I had not been reading my Bible, you know, I knew better, but I'm telling you what, there were people that were transfixed on this guy. A friend of mine years ago was in Waco, Texas, and he was in a hospital and he, he came across this guy named David Koresh. And David Koresh was at the hospital with one of his followers. And many remember him from the branch Davidian. They got burnt down. It was just, uh, just terrible the, the, the way our government handled it, but, uh, this cult, and uh, anyway, he, he sat there in the waiting room at a hospital and he said, David Koresh started speaking. He didn't know who he was at the time. And he said he quoted more Bible at one time than anybody he ever met in his entire life. But then all of a sudden he took this left turn and just started saying things that were goofy and messed with the Holy Spirit in his heart. And, uh, and, and I'll tell you, friends, believe not every spirit. Be like the Bereans, get in the Bible, get in the Word of God. And uh, Kevin, what are you thinking of this? Well, you know, um, the, the wicked understand, uh, wicked men uh, understand not judgment, <clears throat> judgment, discernment, the idea to, to decide between one thing that's wrong and one thing that's right, you know, to, to good, good and evil. That's what's, that's what's jumping out at me. And, um, you know, discernment goes oftentimes out the window, doesn't it? Uh, with, I'm thinking with PTSD, there are people yeah. maybe listen, maybe listening now whose decision maker is busted. Yeah. That hypervigilance, uh, I, I, man, you're just real quick wanting to pop and make a decision. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, a trigger happens and they cannot make a good decision. And then a powder keg takes place, something that causes everything to blow up. And the first thing they, they think is, I, I can't think I can't figure th things out because my life's been totally enveloped and, uh, you know, everything's moaned, moaned down, you know, the trees are all knocked down in my life. It's like Mount St. Helens has exploded and I'm left here unable to discern, like, what am I supposed to do? What's the right thing to do? And it's real. It's real. I, and I say that from, from personal experience, I went through a, very traumatic situation uh, years ago, very traumatic. And um, I remember calling a brother or two on the phone and saying, brother, I, my decision maker is broken and I just need you to decide this for me. And they were very, very understanding. Yeah. And I think it's a really good, really good thing to ask people to do too. But, you know, if you're being triggered with, with something that, man, the battlefield's coming back to me and, and I, I can't get away from this. And now I I've got to decide, 
yeah. you know, what to do. Like, sh- should I get counseling? Should I not get counseling? Should I, should I join something? Should I leave something? Should I continue on a job? Should I, should I, uh, swap friends? You know, am I getting, am I getting bad input? You know, everything's messed up and it's hard to even discern what's a good input and what's a bad input. And I can't help thinking there are people that are listening and they're like that and their decision maker is busted. Yeah. And, and you kind of know it when it is like you were just saying, you kind of know, sometimes I can remember, um, man, I, you know, I got gloriously saved and then I, I served for years and then I got up to the point where I had like 18 years of active duty or 19 years of active duty. And I, I felt like God was calling me to serve. So I called my pastor and said, listen, I'm getting out. Uh, I'm just going to resign. I'm getting out. He said, Doug, you're at 19 years of federal active duty service in the United States army. He said, God's calling you to serve. I said, I believe God wants, wants me to plant our church. I believe God has these things for me to do. And he said, Doug, I believe God has those for you to do too, but why do you got to get out of the army to do them? He said, do you got a move coming up? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're going to Fort Drum, New York or, and, uh, uh, and he said, Doug, why don't we just go up to Fort Drum, see what God has for you. Maybe I'll have you help. And brother, just a couple years later, we planted a church at Fort Drum, New York while on active duty. And, but again, my decision maker, my process, it was, boy, it it was off somewhere. I was out in left field somewhere. And, uh, but being able to take the time and sit down with my pastor and say, Hey pastor, I'm just getting out. And he's like, Doug, stop that. You know, you got to stop that. You got to, you know, I know you're thinking these things and I think that's what God has for you as well. Have you ever met anybody who did these things while on active duty? I said, well, yes, sir, I have. And uh, he said, well, that's what God has for you. I believe Doug, God wants you to be able to take that. And I mean, Kevin, it's completely changed my life to have the retirement insurance as Debbie and I do. I mean, we don't make money at all doing what we do. We, you know, we break even with all the travel and all that stuff. But what keeps us going is that military retirement and the insurance. And we make a few bucks here and there and our travels paid for it. Don't get me wrong. God takes care of me. God's people takes care of me. But boy, when your decision makers a little off, and let me tell you when it's off and we'll go to commercial. I just want to say this because Kevin brought up a very good point. When we're in the throes of something that causes PTSD, when we're in the throes of, you know, insecurity, when we're in the throes of, uh, you know, friendships, relationships, when we're in the throes of dealing with death, dealing with life, dealing with all these hate-filled and ungodly worldly things, and, and we're in the midst of that trial, it's okay to go sit down with your pastor or your pastor's wife. It's okay to say, hey, yeah. I'm in the midst of this junk right now. I'm in the midst of these trials and everything going on. And, uh, you know, the Bible says we foresee a trouble, a prudent man, a prudent person, folks, listen to this. If you're prudent, if you're wise, if you're doing what God has, you foresee some things coming, you go sit down and get a little bit of biblical counseling. That's what the, that's what the word of God is talking about. And I think that's what we're covering. I'm pretty excited. We got to the, Hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and run right now and let the radio stations do what they do, but we're going to be right back. So hang with us. Well, thanks for hanging with us. We're 
back over here wonderfully. We're in the 28th Proverb, looking forward to, uh, you know, it won't be long. We'll be finishing up the book of Proverbs, and we're going to be taking a look at everything narcissistic. And uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to dig into that. We're going to grind it up. And uh, we've already been talking about that and how we're going to do that. So excited. But we still get to hop into this great book of the Bible and learn from it. And we find here in verse number 8 in the 28th Proverb, he that by usury interest, ripping people off, taking money the wrong way, an unjust gain increases his substance, shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. And, and so here we are. It's, uh, you know, those people who go out there and they they charge probably 10 times what they should charge somebody. Their interest rates are upside down. Everything's wrong. We're, we're, we're basically ripping people off, you know, and that's why there's a law today. You can't charge more than 21% interest. There's people out there who are charging more than 21% annual interest on loans in the United States of America. What people would do, and especially outside of military bases, we would live with this. This was terrible, but they would have these little car dealer, these little lots set up, usually next to a gas station or a convenience store, or someone's <laughs> front lawn, and they would go to these auctions and they would buy cars and they'd fix a couple rust spots on them with a little bit of Bondo and some spray and, and they'd polish it all up real good. And they would make the down payment what they had into the car. So they'd say, buy the car here, pay here. I've got $1,800 into this car, $1,800 down payment and $100 a month for, uh, or $200 a month for two years. And these young guys not having any credit or something would do that. And boy, that's a lot of times they get into a real clunker and people would just mm. rip them off. And the Bible's reminding us that we don't live that way. We're not slothful in business like it tells us in Romans 12. Um, mm. And it's reminding us that people who do this to increase their wealth are, you know, they have no pity for anybody. They're just out to get rich, Kevin. They're get yeah. rich. How can I get a buck and mess someone over? Mm. Yeah, and they prey on uh, desperation. People that are desperate will will enter into a situation where you know they're going to regret it. But at the moment, because they felt like they had to do this, you know, they they had to have a car. They someone enters into a, an abusive relationship. Why? Because I, I I'm just lonesome. I you know I talked to a preacher not long ago, and he's his one of his best friends in the world. His wife died, and he entered into a a, a re you know, I don't know if it's the words a rebound, not really, but just a knee jerk, <laughs> a lack of discernment got him into, um, a quickie relationship that entered and uh, that went into marriage and he regrets it. He lives in a different state than uh, literally a different state of the union than his wife does because, um, he was desperate and he got into a bad situation. And I'm thinking about, you know, brother, um, when we talk about this uh, usury, as you were talking and reading that, it says um, either by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance. That's someone who's who's taking advantage on on someone who who you know got That's into poor. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They needed they needed money. So what what I'm thinking of is let's just say someone maybe has brother Doug a PTSD. They're suffering because. They're in a relationship with someone who is is like levying guilt on them with, um, uh, in other words, um, okay, I'll forgive you 
but I want interest on top of it. In other words, uh, they're not really forgiving. I, I'm, I'm okay. I will give you my forgiveness, but I'm going to make sure that you, you know, still regret this. I'm going to make life miserable. I'm going to diss you. And you know, that's, um, that's a traumatic thing when you're, you know, hooked up with someone like that. That's what the guy yeah. did. Who's living in a different state, you know, than his wife, you know, because his wife would just, she was contentious. The Bible describes her as contending with him. So, okay. Yeah. Kind of hands on the hips, rolling pin on the one hand and, and okay. You know, I'm going to make life miserable for you. And I'm thinking about usury being a form of, you know, levying over and above what, oh, yeah. what, what's just. Yeah. So if that makes sense, you know, that's a, just a terrible oppression. When you feel that someone is, is expecting more back from you than you can give and that they should be asking. Oh yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, even at some of the regular car dealers, I remember that I had, uh, I think I told you, so I was in administration for a long time in the army, like my last, I don't know, 12 years, 15 years. And I, I, I had mentioned that I worked up most of the people I worked with it. And when I was in DC and stuff were ladies and, uh, you know, a lot of them were, uh, single, you know, just getting in the army to lower ranking ones, things of that nature. And so I kind of became like an older brother or an uncle or things like that. So if they would go buy a car, you know, Debbie and I would be a sounding board, you know, they could always come to our house. Uh, we had a couple rules. I would never hit on them. They would never hit on me. That's just the way we live, man. I, I had a woman tell me when I retired that all the women in the military that worked in our MOS and in the things that I did all said the same thing that I was kind to people and I love people. And I was so thankful to that, but I can remember I'd go to car dealers with these young lady soldiers and stuff, you know, would run over there at lunchtime and sometimes we'd take a Colonel with us or something. I had this lady who came back and she said, uh, back then I was an E8 and she said, you know, master Sergeant, she said, uh, I'm going to go over here and buy a Honda Accord. I think I got a good price set on it and stuff, but you told me you'd be willing to go over. Are you willing to run over at lunch and make sure the price is right? The salesman's willing to meet with you. And she handed me the paper and they were selling this thing. And back then nobody sold anything, you know, at the sticker, everything was a couple grand cheaper and they were $200 over the sticker to put a special wax on her car or something like that. Anyway, $3,800 difference for me going over there at lunchtime. And, and so it's important. So, and I sold cars. So I, I can tell you when Debbie was an army nurse in school and when I went to DC, I went through a few sold jewelry. I ended up selling jewelry when Debbie came back, but I was working four 10 hour days at night. And so I actually sold cars. I sold Dodges and Mazdas and they even had Range Rovers, which were the worst car in the world back then people would pay, you know, what'd be the equivalent of a hundred grand today for a car. And about three years old, they just self-destructed. So it was kind of hard, but I learned an awful lot. And I know that people are out there ripping folks off. And again, something Kevin said yesterday is sometimes, you know, we're so hypervigilant. We we're such a now society. We want everything right now. We don't do our due diligence in in life. And, uh, and, and this is a good point of that. And then verse nine, continuing on, he that turneth away his ear from hearing the law even the prayer shall be an abomination. And uh, boy, you know, one who turns away, when you turn away from that, God wants us to always have an open and a tentative ear toward his 
what he's saying to us. He wants us to listen. He wants us to zero in on what he has to say. But those of us who turn away, we won't even hear it anymore. We know more. And we know these guys, Kevin. You know, they change what the law says. They turn away. God's saying that even your prayers are an abomination. It's, it's no good. It's, uh, you're a wreck. And, uh, and, and so God's reminding us, you know, if you turn away from me, uh, your prayer is like detestable to me. It's like, I'm not even going to listen. It's terrible. It's not mm-hmm. a prayer at all, Kevin. I mean, you see that verse and what are you thinking? You know, I'm thinking just like you said that it, there are people that, um, they don't do the right thing. They're doing wrong. It's obvious they're doing wrong. They've got it. They've got an agenda, but they're the ones sometimes that are the quickest to say, Hey, let's just, you know, have some public prayer, you know, Hey, let's stop and pray. And there's this awkwardness about their re- religion, religious, um, ties in, I, you know, I'm thinking about there's, there's someone who, um, just had some real moral, um, darkness about them and, and just some shadiness. And there was nothing that was openly provable. You and I would know who this person is, I think, Doug, but, um, but you know, this was years ago and this, this individual was just, um, the kind of person that, uh, if he got around someone that questioned how legitimate that person was, they'd say, Oh, let's pray about something. It'd be something that would be, you'd not normally stop and openly pray about. It might be like, you know, Hey, we're, we're driving through the parking lot. I don't see a parking spot. Okay. Let's stop and pray for a parking spot that there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if you know, the person's not living right, you know, if the person's got a moral failure, if they got a girl on the side, if there's some strange thing, why, why do they try to offset it with this, you know, prayer when it's even, you know, to, it's an to abomination. Me, my, yeah. It's, it's, fake. Yeah. it's, a, it's like, so, you know, going through this trial the last few weeks, I got a letter from somebody who knew the people that caused a lot of the trial in my life. And, and this guy wrote and he called me and he said, this is what he said to me. He said, you know, brother Doug, he said, those folks preach from the highest, holiest mountain, but they don't live there. Not even close. And, and exactly what Kevin just said, man, the time goes by so quickly, but exactly what he's saying, it's about uh, it's about God. It's about his word. It's about trusting him. It's about believing him. It's about hearing from God and stepping out. And, uh, when we don't do that, it's an abomination. We can look good. We can run around and say, let's pray about a parking spot. Let's do this. I, I knew a guy one time who, uh, supposedly prayed so long that he passed out and smashed his head or whatever the case may be. It's not about what other people know. It's about that closet. It's about you and God. And, uh, and man, don't be an abomination. Trust God, trust his word, buy into it, sell out, surrender, God's got you. Hey, folks, it's a great honor to come across your airwaves. We're just so thrilled to have this opportunity. We hope you have a wonderful day. Please listen to every word Eric's got to say. And, and hey, when you go out there with that smile today that only God can give you, we sure do love you, folks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner 
for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.